As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. When your coffee is freshly roasted and ethically sourced, it's music to your ears. Shake up the way you wake up at kingscoastcoffee.com. Welcome to episode 106 of Star Wars and Scotch. We had a good old-fashioned prison break today on Andor, and Tim and I are going to talk about it. Uh, it was, as, as we keep saying each episode, this was my favorite episode of the season. Uh, we'll wrap up our conversation on Tales of the Jedi, Acolyte, and uh, what's going on in the uh, estranged movie world of Star Wars at the moment. But Tim, how are you? Yeah, we got a uh, doing all right. Got a hurricane coming. Hurricane. Got a war tomorrow. Got a wars today. Um, yeah. You get to people, be dad of boy. People were playing yesterday. A bunch of people flew off to New Zealand. Yeah, it's pretty playing. crazy. Got how a they do war. That? Yeah, I guess I guess New Zealand tickets were cheap yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess amazing. If you, just, if you fly the opposite way of the rotation of the Earth, then you get to play God of War early, I guess. So <laughs> I tried really hard not to not to get spoilers in chat yesterday. So yeah, we I, shall I see. It looks good. It looks good. I, I unfortunately will not be able to watch your stream, Tim. I'll I leave it was, open. And I would it. not expect you to be there, but. I will I will not be participating in conversation. But you should go to fb.gg slash darkest forty nine and watch uh, Tim play God of War. Uh, if you're out there in the Star Wars ether. Uh as always, this episode is sponsored by King's Coast Coffee. Uh I just got a new coffee machine, so I'm sipping on what I did believe. You get? Uh I have no idea what it's called. Danielle oh, got it. You didn't get and- the Gebby. She wanted something that yielded more cups because we felt like the four cup was not enough for us every morning. So we got something else. See, for me, you know, see, I only I'm the only person in my house that drinks coffee. So for like for me, like that's perfect. But yep. I guess if you're yeah, if there's two of you, then two mm-hmm. and then her mom comes during the day. So she makes more coffee. And then when we have people over, it's like we got to make a pot of at least 12 cups. And so 
which is easier to get some of the yields bigger. But um, yeah, it's uh, just been enjoying my uh, my King's Coast uh, again. Well, not that I wasn't because I was doing pour overs before. It's really it awkward awesome. if you were like, yeah, I was drinking Dunkin' Donuts yesterday, but today we're enjoying some King's Coast coffee. <laughs> hey, when I have to drink the other guys, I come on the show and I say how terrible their coffee was. So uh, I'm happy to uh, be drinking my King's Coast this morning. Holiday stuff is on the way. That means your favorite thing in the world, cocoa, will be returning soon. We do not have as much cocoa as we had last year, so make sure you get your cocoa once it goes live. Kingscoastcoffee.com, join the Kings Club, sign up for SMS. Those are the first places that people get information about what's coming and when it's coming. So make sure you are plugged in kingscoastcoffee.com. Tim. Yes. This was a good old-fashioned prison break. It was good. I mean, like, it, we knew we knew it was going to happen. They have a really good cadence. Um, they they do like a two to three episode build up to whatever they want to do, and then and then they 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 hit you with whatever whatever they were they were building up to, which is nice. But this also this the more the more I watched this, and I was thinking about it as I was getting ready this morning. Um, they use they use Andor's name, they use Cassian's name to kind of drive home the the overall theme of the show. I wish they would have called it like rebel, like rebel or like the rebellion or something, because like, yeah, like cast, like Cassian's journey is so is, is really cool and it's important and it's, it's neat. But this show is so much more about not just one person, but it is about all the little sparks and the little pieces of hope that start to form. And, and this episode, I honest to God think that Mon Mothma and, and Kano are the two, the, the two characters that drove this, this entire episode more than Cassian did like Cassian's role in like breaking people out and being the hero in that way. Like that was cool. But like Kino is really, really cool. Like I love Andy Serkis. Like he is just, he's a phenomenal actor and he, he took it home, dude. Like this, this was his episode and he owned the shit out of it. And I was so impressed. Like there was a point during his speech when, when they were breaking everybody out and, and Cassian's like, you've got to do better than that. And I was like, oh, okay, what is he going to say? And by the end of it, I'm just like, this is, this is amazing. I had like a little tear coming down because it's just like it was so emotional. At the same time, I was like, oh, man, he's getting into that Snoke form too because he was just, it's so hard not to hear Snoke when you hear Andy Serkis getting his voice modulated. But it was just so well done. And seeing like uh, Mon Mothma having to deal with her decisions on you know, funding the rebellion, essentially, like this charity that she's moving money around in and having to make these dirty deals and dealing with the consequences of those dirty deals is very, very interesting to see with her character development. And it Did makes not you, it, see marriage betrothal being the payment. I mean, that, like it makes. Yeah, but I mean, it, it makes so much sense, though. I mean, like this because I because I guarantee that her husband that happened to her. I guarantee you yes. that her husband is the son of some dirty politician or some dirty mobster or someone from Chandrilla and and she doesn't want the same life for her daughter and that's what she's worried about. And so like I loved that <clears throat> this like every Luth, Luthen's like the entire thing at the end with like it just like from start to finish this show has really highlighted the rebellion and I love it so much because we're finally getting to see the, the, I guess behind the scenes, like we're really getting to, like, it's no longer just Luke Skywalker and an X-Wing destroying the, the Death Star. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. so it's, it, it is everything that we wanted to know after watching Rogue One. 
you know, we're just like, man, I want more of this. And, and we're getting it. And it's so good. What did you think of the episode, Kevin? Uh, again, this was my favorite one so far. It felt like very, the prison break side of it felt very Western. The Davos, um, on Mothma side felt very Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was very uncomfortable sitting there because I'm like, what does this guy want? What's, you know, and once he said money is not important, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad for her. Like mm -hmm. she's not going to enjoy the next thing that comes out. And then I was like, all right, they'll probably go the classic, like you owe me a favor in the future or something. And then she sure. literally flat out said, I don't want to owe you a favor. And because well, uh, she knows the deal again, I think that that that, be, that continues to showcase that she knows how this works. Yep. Yep. So. Um, that whole scene was was awesome. I thought it was uh, very uncomfortable in a, in a very good way. Uh, and then um, the prison break was just, you know, they did a really good job of building up to the moment. Mm -hmm. Like you were, you were, it was for me, it was 545 in the morning and I'm just sitting there like, okay, when, when, when? went like the guys coming down in the lift i'm like when what's the mm -hmm. signal how are we doing this da, da, da. and then they jumped into action you know we finally i knew i didn't know what the pipe was i thought maybe the pipe was some sort of had electrical in it that was connected to the floor or something i knew it had something with to do with deactivating the floor i just couldn't figure out what the key was and then when it started spraying i was like oh they're gonna flood the place yep. and mess with the electrical panel this makes sense now um and then you felt bad because they kept saying, you know, I would rather die doing this than die, you know, making things easier for them. Mm -hmm. um, one hilarious theory I heard this week was when it was another podcast, they were talking about what they're building in that facility. And someone on Reddit apparently suggested that they're not actually building anything, that they put these things together and then they go to the next floor and they take them back apart and then they just bring them back up for them to that put makes, them back makes, together. Again. I love that from like just a cynical like point of view, but like that that serves zero purpose for the empire. And like so they're funny. very efficient. So for them to be like, hey, let's fuck with these guys for a little bit and just make them take it apart and put it back together again. It's something like that. That facility is critical because they were like they were very much so adamant on pointing that out today of like, what like whatever we're building is really important to the empire so yep. like yeah so I, I the the whole idea of like you know those being you know pieces for the death star you know like mm -hmm. oh man for sure most definitely that that's really really neat to think about i don't think we'll ever get that explanation explanation now no like we, we might get it in a comic book or in in a, in a novel and they'll 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 make a callback or you know they'll say like we're going to this facility or like whatever so we get like the picture painted completely but we won't get it in this show the one thing that I want to fucking know is what happened to Kino. Did he jump? He said he couldn't swim. And then we don't see him running with, with Cassian. And honest to God, that was the, that's what I, I didn't care if Cass, I knew Cassie was going to be fine. I want to know what happened to Andy Serkis. Did so, he swim? I was going to come on and rile you up by saying, wow, Snoke's origin story is really wild. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. I was thinking about, so that was another thing that I was thinking about too, is like, um, you know, like how does how does Andy continue to live on as like all these other characters? Because like it, they're definitely starting to get muddled too. Because that that whole when he's in the prison, when he's in his cell, like figuring it out, you could tell like the turmoil that was going back and forth. When he flips and he's like, "We're gonna figure it out," and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Snoke!" Like it was just it was so good. Like you could definitely see like where like where he pulled inspiration from. It's like you could see like Gollum. You could see just little things. I love. I just love this guy. He's so he can yeah. do so many different types of just characters. And I think that's what's so fun. And like watching him go back and forth from being like 
you know, just mentally distraught of like, I, I need to do my work. I need to do my work. I need to do this. And then at the same time, he's like, we're not getting out. We're not getting out. I have to get out. And so like that struggle, just like right there of watching his face contort and change, it was just, it was phenomenal acting. And I just, I'm so happy that he's a part of Star Wars. And I really hope that they keep that Kino character alive. Like, I know, I know it's like him as an actor is, is like, is awesome. But like this character, I'm really starting to feel for. And I was going to, I, 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 I wrote up a tweet and I didn't send it, but I, I, Kino is my favorite, currently my favorite non-force using Star Wars character right now. And I just, because it's like, he, he's so relatable. He's an extremely relatable character of like this guy who just wants to get his job done and he just wants to be alone. He just wants to be left alone. You know, he just wants to get his shit done, be a good person and just, and just do his thing. And then seeing him like having to, you know, like the line of like, tell them what to do. You know, he's like, you do it all the time. Tell them what to do. And I was like, oh man, he's right. He's a leader. Like, I want to see him become a, a general in the rebellion. Like, I want to see, I want to see him do more because he is a leader. He's, oh my God, this character, there's so, there's so much they can do with him. I think he's dead. Fuck. Here's why. They went heavy on the line of him basically saying, you know, I would rather die doing this than, you know, because he was, he parroted what Andor said to him. With that being said, he also can't swim. So I think that was just the final goodbye without having us to watch him drown or something like that. Cause he's either going to stay in the facility and get executed or he's going to jump in the water and drown. Those are that's really it. I, because Cassie got pushed and I think he was trying to like, he was trying to like level with Kino and he like that. You could tell in his face, he was scared. You know, he was scared to jump and he was also like happy cause he saw the sun. You know, like it was, it was such a, like a mixed set of emotions in that, in that one little piece that we had of him just like right there, he made it. And he's just like, I can't swim, you know? And it's like, at that point, you're so close to freedom. Are you going to let that fear of not being able to swim, like just sink, like just sink in so deep that you're not going to be able to do it. Like, that's crazy. And that planet looks barren outside it of looks those facilities. Just, it will be cut again. What does the empire do to every single planet they touch? Just destroy them. With they dry. They dry it the out. They suck every single piece of resource out, and the, the 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 ground, all the minerals are gone. The plant life is dead. The fauna is gone. It's yep. either been hunted or pushed out or just destroyed with the deforestation. Yeah. So whatever that planet was before, it ain't it anymore. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't. I don't know how they're going to get off. I'm, obviously, they do. Um, also, the blaster that Andor was using is the same blaster that he has in Rogue One. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't, but that's amazing. Yeah, it was the same same one, which seems to be Imperial issue. So it's probably one that he stole either again because he doesn't have it on him when we, when he's leaving the facility. Yeah. So I'm sure he just steals another one and and does that. It's it's not Hans is a modified version of that blaster, if I'm not mistaken. Han um, no, because his is based off of a Ruger pistol. Um, okay. those were, aren't those... these modeled with Rugers, but they have those silver, like pointy tips. And then those they look, two they silver look caps on different. the top. Do you know what the, do you know what the designation is for that red rifle? No, I don't know the star Wars weapon de designations. Hold on. I will look, you keep talking. I'm going to look at that's, that's a, weapons. that one's a pistol though, a pistol blaster. It's not the, the, the stormtrooper issued one. Oh, Cassian's pistol is a modified version of Han Solo's pistol. But it's, but it, no, okay, so, but this is completely different looking. The Rogue One Captain Cassian Andor Nerf Custom Blaster 
is very, very different from the gun that they were using in the prison. So, yes, you are correct in Cassian's pistol that he has for Rogue One is very similar to Han Solo's pistol. Oh, it is different. You're right. But the pis- the rifle, or like, or, or it's even smaller than that. I would say it's more like a submachine gun. Um, that had a, um, you could tell Andy was holding onto a grip, like a stabilizer on the left. Mm-hmm. There was like a, a, a hand grip that was on the left. Um, and it had like a longer elongate, like it had like an elongated pointy chrome nose. There was a, there was a scope on the top too. So if somebody out there knows the designation for that blaster, uh, let me know. I would love to know about it. There we go. Oh, someone will, I guarantee you by seven, eight o'clock tonight, we'll have an answer. Yeah, I'll get a tweet. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, Someone will hear it. And they're like, ah, it's blah, 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 blah. How could you not know this as a Star Wars fan? Although, well, I, uh, so you know where a lot of my knowledge for weapons came from for Star Wars was from Battlefront. Yes, yeah, yeah. A lot you of ba- the battle, me. the Battlefront team did a really good job of making sure that like all of the weapons were correct and making sure all their designations came from. The, because I mean, like Lucas was up their ass, so they had to make sure everything was right. Um, so I love learned it. very quickly. I love that people don't like that they're using you know older issued real life weapons as. Star Wars blasters now. And that's just modifying what, that's how Star Wars works. But that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, are you saying that all of the modified blasters that were used in the original trilogy are also bad? Because that's what they did. I'm not, like, I'm confused. Because um, the one, uh, the I think it was an uh, AR-15 that he was holding in, in the earlier, uh, when they were, before the Aldani raid. Mm-hmm. When they were in the forest, he was holding. Yeah, like a it was like a, it was like an AK or it was like an AK or something. But like, and and that's so funny to me because like it looks rebellious. Like those right. we, the weapons look well, rebellious. Are, they don't. They yeah, AK. I know. Like they naturally have a like a an evil like look to them. Uh, just mm-hmm. because of like where where they're used in the world. Um, but like for the most part, like that's the whole point of the rebellion. It's all like old retrofitted shit that they could just get their hands on. That's the whole point. Like like e like look at Ewok shotguns. Like they're. They're ridiculous. They've got like a fucking like they look like a blunderbust, you know. But it's like but that works in in like Star Wars, and like that's just that's the tone that was set. And I don't understand why that's so weird. Because like, you're right, they're bringing out these like newer shows and they're changing the weapons a little bit, but they're still holding on to the pure like pureness of Star Wars. Is that we use we use World War II weapons and we just retrofit them. We we modify them to look futuristic, but they still have this old world sense to them. And people just, they see that because they see it all the time in video games. They're like, wait a second, I use this now. How is that in fucking Star Wars? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. Like, people forget it's a show. People forget it's a movie. And it's sci-fi. So This is dude. my life, Tim. Does this is anyone, my does, life. Does anyone go back and look at Alien or Back to the Future or anything like that? I'm like, oh, wait a second. Why the fuck are they using an analog thing in 2052? Hey, man, Back to the Future was not correct. The future did not turn out like that. So, the movie's erroneous now, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, like, in the 80s, like, that's what people thought. And when Lucas was was figuring all this out in the 70s, that probably felt really futuristic to him. He was like, oh, yeah, but futuristic in a sense of this happened a long time ago. You know, like, that's also the crazy thing is people have to remember this was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Who's to say that that galaxy also, you know, some world in that galaxy also had World War II, you know, and they had these types of weapons, you know? I mean, the possibility of that happening is actually there. There was an, in Legends, there was an old link to Star Wars, or to Earth, essentially, and Star Wars being some something from this galaxy. I don't remember the story. It was like the seed of Adam and Eve to Earth. Yeah. 
a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a link. I, obviously, it's not canon anymore. Uh, and I don't even think it was actual. It was like one of those three levels of sure. weird canon. So I don't even know how it fit in, but it was it was out there. Um, so I get I guess like you said, this episode is very action packed. Um, you know, one way out is just I'm sure we're gonna see that all over social media for the next week. Um, what where do they go from here? Because to me. And I know there's two more episodes. To me, that felt like a season finale almost, didn't it? it? The way yeah. they just like, whoop. Yeah, so I would say, so that was a season finale, I think, for Cassian. As far as oh, like, okay. like like where his adventure is is like right now. I think, I think that's going to be kind of it. I think we'll get one more setup for the next season of like what he's going to be doing. I think the rest of this is going to be focused heavily on ISB. They set it up perfectly for the next episode. I mean, like, we, we had this meeting with Luthen. We know that this guy is, is a mole in the ISB, uh, Lonnie. You know, Lonnie is, is the mole. And he's been reporting back to Luthen. And, you know, he, he's, he's already giving information of saying, like, hey, uh, who's the, 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 the female ISB agent? Um, sort of the Deidre. Deidre. Um, like he's given Deidre, he's done all these things and he wants to get out Well, he's not getting out. So like that character has been set up. We know. So, so we know ISB is hot and heavy. We know that we have Luthen has a mole. We know who the mole is now. We also got to see, um, the, the lover for, I forget her name. I'm terrible at names, uh, for the cousin, uh, for Val. Val. So we saw her still watching mom. His mom's being watched by the Empire, too. And mom's also getting watched by the Empire. So, like, that's why I think, like, Kat, like the focus on Cassian, I think he's kind of done right now. And I think it's all going to be about what is the ISB going to do now? What is, in, in, and, like, Luthen is, Luthen's elated right now. He's very happy with what the ISB is doing. He's like, they're essentially falling, like, is this, this is all accelerated. But he's like, this is essentially what I thought was going to happen, which I think is, like, very, very interesting to see like it's it's taken them a year we kind of jumped like they also use cassian in prison as a jumping point like they do in game of thrones right and they, mm -hmm. they but they didn't do it as well as game of thrones like when game of thrones jumps in time you're like okay we're 10 years in the future this was a year and i didn't even like really catch that it was a year in the future um if it wasn't for the fact that they had to mention it multiple times that you know it's been so long since aldani you know, it's like without him saying it's been a year, it's taken them a year since Aldani to even like, you know, get this far. Like, that's really interesting to me. I didn't realize he spent that much time in prison. And they kind of like show it with like the numbers passing and all those things. But it I didn't really wrap my head around it. So that's also like really interesting to me, too, is like, how much more are we going to jump into the future? So we had we from what was it? Episode six. Right. It was when the Aldani raid happened. Episode six yeah, and seven so. was kind of like where, you know, we got captured. So, so he spent an entire year in that prison. That's crazy. So things are going to get crazy because the next episode is going to start the same way episode, whatever it was, seven or eight after Aldani started where ISB's on full alert, but these are back-to-back -back incidents now. So mm -hmm. again, the, the chance of Thrawn coming in in the next two episodes to me just got higher because it, Wolf is probably going to get to the point where he's like, I need outside counsel on this. Like, we need to figure this out. I, we're being outsmarted. Um, I also could totally see a hollow projector um, from the Emperor at some point in the next two episodes. Not uh, him in person, 
but him in his hood, like you, you must find the perpetrator. You know, like that whole potentially. Situation. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they'll get into that. <clears throat> I would love that. I would love the emperor to show up. <laughs> but why? My my thing is that is at this point now, these are back to back incidents. Obviously, something is wrong. The, I feel like this is the chance for yeah, the higher ups that we know to get involved. There are two isolated instances, though. Like, if you look at it, like, if you really like want to look at it, but like, if we want to put ourselves in the ISB shoes for a moment and think about what's going on, you've had you've had a raid, you've had one raid on a on a on a stronghold, you've lost some money, and then you have a prison break. That's it. So, like, for the emperor to get involved, I don't know. I don't think they want. I don't think the ISB wants to show weakness. I don't think they want to admit that this is going on. How could it? We're the empire. We're the yeah. ISB. How, the, how in the world can this happen under our watch? So, so they're too prideful. Again, back to what Cassian said. They're too full of themselves. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. It's like, you know, like they, the, the trap works. And, and uh, who, who's the, the, the main ISB guy? He's all, he's all excited. He's all, yes, good, good, Part, good. Part of gas. And in and, and, and the... Diva walks out the door. And I don't even know. She didn't say anything. She was pissed off and just walked out. So, like, we, we really didn't even get to see her all that much in this episode, which was crazy. She's usually been pretty heavy in these episodes. And so that's why I think she's going to pick up the reins as far as, like, who we're going to be watching. I think we're going to get kind of the same idea where she goes to, she goes to the plan and she's interrogating everybody. We're going to get that same kind of, like, like shock trooper vibe. You know, mm -hmm. like, like Nazi shock trooper. Just, like, go in, beat up the town kill everybody, interrogate, get your information, burn it to the ground. And I think what's going to happen is that she's going to, they're going to go to the prison. They're going to see all the shit that happened. Maybe we'll see, you know, Andy Serkis's dead body. Maybe Keenan will be there dead or whatever. And they're going to look at the, they're going to look at the surveillance footage before the thing went down. They're going to pull the drives and they're going to see Cassian. And Cassian, and then she's going to be like this motherfucker. And it's going to tie it all together. And that's what's going to drive her to the end of the of the the season finale and i think there might be a um there's there's going to be a meetup there's going to be a, like a, a a holy shit moment where it's either her and luthen or her and cassian or cassian and luthen against like there's 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 going to be some matchup in the final episode where it's going to be it's going to be this like aha moment for the isb and i think that the following season is all going to be about the isb just chasing cassian cuz now they're trying to they're trying to figure out who cassian is right now they're trying to figure out how does this all link at the end they're going to be like holy shit and it's going to be like one of those red the red string things and she's going to be like pop 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 it was him the whole time and she's going to know it's luthen and then it's going to be luthen and cassian on the run or cassian's going to find out that luthen was trying to kill him to clean up the the loose ends and then he's going to go and he's going to go after Luthen. I, I think Luthen at the end of the day is going to be seen as kind of like a anti-hero. I mean, he, they set that up perfectly because the fact that, again, we were seeing all the perspectives of the rebellion, the fact that he said, you're worth more than 50 men to me mm -hmm. shows you how dirty his hands are at this point. Yep. Um, you know, it's a very different vibe than Andor. That's basically, you know, either we die in here doing what they want us to or we die trying to get out that's a very different mantra if you will versus you know weighing 50 lives against one informant which is again it's dark but this is what we wanted this is what the side we needed to see was how dirty are they willing to get to take down the empire and this to me this is real war this is what war is is how ugly it gets on the back end and and, and whatnot and that 
Oh, yeah, that, it's not the soldiers in the front lines. It's all about everything you're doing in the back line. It's yeah, all of the so, espionage. And, like, this is the cool stuff. This is all the things that people write books about, you know? Like, we've, we've yep. got so many... We've got so many accounts of, of real-life situations in, in, in so many different parts of, of our history. And so for them to pull that and, like, really, like, use that as, as material is fantastic because, like, those are the, those are the things of, of, of battle and war that you would love to hear more about instead of just seeing the, the, the gruesome uh, after effects of people actually committing these, you know, these atrocities is, you know, the actual, uh, like, Saving Private Ryan stuff. You know, like, Saving Private Ryan was fun. You know, it was cool, but it was like it was super gruesome, and it was it was you know it was, a, it was a great battle movie. It was a great war movie, but at the same time, like you know, watching something like this is is also really cool. It's exciting. A spy movie is great. Uh, it re- it reminded me. Um, did you see the show Turn on AMC? No, about but 10 I, years I, old I know what it's about. So that happened in my neck of the woods on Long Island. That whole trail is like my stomping grounds where I grew up. Where I hung yeah, they out, use where that I trail to to pass notes and trees and and, and whatnot, right? When you watch the show, you will be so impressed. And it wasn't even decoded until the 40s. Like, we didn't even know that this took place in the 40s. And that's the vibe I get from Luthen and whatnot, where it's yeah. just like everything is so coded. You think they're on, like, the last episode, we're like, oh, my God, Axis. Like, they're on to him. And he's like, nope, got him right where I want him. He loved uh, that. He was like, Axis, good. <laughs> I like that name. Maybe I'll use that as uh-huh. my new, like, that was how he was treating the conversation. Yeah, very much so. So it, um, it, that's the vibe I'm getting is, and if if you're out there, you don't know what Tim and I are talking about. It's called Washington spy trail took place on long Island. Literally the length of the Island was the spy trail. And they have uh, landmarks all up and down long Island. These, these uh, Brown signs that you can see that literally they tell you about each point on the trail. And that is what I'm getting from Luthen is like how safeguard everything. And it didn't get decoded for almost 150 years Mm -hmm. um, that the, the revolution, uh, the American uh, during the revolution, we're able to hide. So um, that's the kind of the vibe that I'm getting from from Luthen and how he's operating. It, it, it's interesting to see because you have all these. This is how Andor feels to me. We have all these chess pieces on the table. Mm-hmm. We have Saw. We have Val. We have Luthen. We have Cassian. We have you know the Prison Break. We have all of these pieces. And now I'm just like, okay, well, how do the pieces come together to get us? to Cassian in that station talking to that guy in the first season of Rogue One. That's where my head is at. And that's what's keeping me really hooked on the show at this point is I know what happens here and I know what happens here. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in what happens here. And this is one of the first shows in Star Wars where I felt really good about the filling in the blanks and it didn't mm-hmm. feel like arbitrary or anything. It feels like it's really just incredible storytelling when it comes to filling out this journey of, of Cassian and the rebels. Like you said, I actually agree with you that maybe the show shouldn't have been called Andor. it should have been called not rebels. Cause that's taken, but something along those lines um, and feature more of these other characters, including him or like resistance him or something, but something. Yeah. yeah Cause I, I'm, I hope they make more shows like this that really show how the empire was subverted. Yeah. Um, Cause this is so interesting to me. Or just seeing this back and forth from both angles. Like I really like seeing it from the Imperial side because we've just never really gotten to see what it's, what life is like on the Imperial side and seeing how they handle certain situations. Like, like use the prison break, for example, in the command center. Did you hear all the commands he was giving? He was like, build a firewall around it, burn them, kill them all. Mm-hmm. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit, that was dark. 
And we don't get to see a lot of that. And, you know, the, the IS, like p putting the ISB and making them the bad guy was so smart. It was fantastic because, one, it's a fan service because people love the ISB because they're really neat. And anytime the ISB is like in video games or they're in, in comics or in books, that ISB agent is, is, is a CIA spy. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, bad, it's like a badass guy or girl who's been trained in, in martial arts and how to interrogate and all these things. And they're just, they're really, really cool. And so to see them and to watch them get flushed out and to really see all this kind of just come to fruition has been just really enjoyable. Kevin, this episode was a filler episode and I enjoyed it. You felt like it was filler? It was, this was a filler episode to get us, to get us through the prison. This was 100% a filler episode. And I felt it, so good about this episode. It that's the thing. Back. That's the thing is that it was a filler episode because it was not story heavy. It, it filled in a couple things. We found out, like, we got to see the thing with Mon Mothma. We got to see, we got to see the thing with Luthan. We got to see the prison break with Cassian. But it wasn't, it still wasn't story. It, it wasn't enough to drive the story. Like, it, it got us to, it got, it gave us closure, but it was mainly action. It was the, 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 the people on screen were giving us the, a, an amazing performance, but it still wasn't anything that you could go like 10 years from now and be like, do you remember the prison break and casting like all those things like in, in whatever, whatever, BBY, you know, it's just like you, you won't, you won't remember that, but it was a really, really, it, as far as like trying to like tell a like history and story and stuff, but just from an overall visual perspective, it was a mind blowing experience. It was really, really good. And that's just because the, like the storytelling that they've already done so far in the in the past nine episodes all of that was able to continue to carry on the story without them really doing much because there was already so much behind it pushing it forward and so like they were able to clean up a lot of the stuff that they've they've unraveled for us behind and i think that was a nice send-off into the end of the season so like for me this was a filler episode because it didn't really it didn't really give me more to think about as far as casting like we got to meet we saw the thing with with mon mothma we know that you know she's she's starting to get into some dirty money. We we got to see the thing with Luthen. We know Luthen is starting to continue to he's building out his web even more. We know that the ISB is dirty. Um, but yeah, to me this felt like a filler episode. It just wasn't enough storytelling for me to be like ah. Oh. But it was enough visual like visually it was so appealing. I was just like this was perfect. It was so good because it just it hit all of the right marks for me. I w I would have never thought of it that way, but you're right. I was just, I guess, you know, when it comes to filler, it's not what I think of because I'm completely because you're used to seeing engaged. like you're used to seeing like a Mandalorian filler or yeah. a Boba Fett filler where it's just like, this is stupid. This is wasting our time. Why am I watching this? I did not have that thought. I have yet to have that thought in any Andor show, but I have definitely had that thought with with Mando many of episodes. I'm like this. If it wasn't for the fact that it was like whatever the reason I was like, if it wasn't for Grogu, I would have hated this episode. You know, it's just like, like, that's frustrating for me. But there was nothing in this episode where I was like, if it wasn't for whatever, I wouldn't have enjoyed this. You know, it just like, it was, it had everything. And like, it, every episode has been like that. Whether yeah. it's story heavy or it's action heavy. Like the, the bank robbery, for example. That, that didn't serve you any, that didn't give you anything other than to showcase a bank robbery. Well, it showed how they're beginning to fund things. Right. But as far as like storytelling, it really didn't do that much, but it was really fun to watch from start to finish. You were on the edge of your seat biting your nails. I was. You, the other thing that did was activate the ISB side of the story, though, too. You have to sure. cause an yeah. effect. There's a, there's a little, but I mean, even filler episodes do a little bit here and there, right? 
but you can tell the difference between a very heavy episode where it's really story driven and then you have like something else and this was definitely like one of those like light story episodes but it was still a beautiful story nonetheless like andy andy circus's just his that that speech of him in the calm room that was awesome that was amazing it was so good it was just dialogue but the way that they set the tension going into that room kept you engaged that this entire show is built off of building up tension. And I've never felt tense watching a Star Wars show before until Andor came along. And that is so cool. Kevin, I am telling you, I was like this. I was up against my monitor at one point because I, I was watching it here because I, I can be loud and not bother the baby. And it's just like I was, I was leaning forward into my monitor because I was having so much fun. And it doesn't happen. Yeah, I was I was up and awake. I was not like sleepy. I yeah. was like, right. Oh my god. Yeah, it's good. It's just just overall just a great a great episode. I give it a ten. Great out of episode. 10. We got two more left. I'm sorry you thought there were three. By the I way, really I thought, I really thought I really thought it was nine because I was like I was like oh this is perfect. They do it in, they do it in in small chunks of three episodes a piece. We get four acts. Nope. <laughs> the prison break started up the fourth act. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's okay. I would love a 13th episode. So, I mean, maybe it's that I have a surprise for us for Thanksgiving week, but I doubt it. Um, I did finish Tales of the Jedi. I watched the third episode, which is what we talked about last week. And I was like, okay, this makes a lot more sense makes now. Makes so much more sense. I... And that episode was really good because yeah. it, it really, like you said, it delved into the corruption of the Republic on that side of the fence, which mm-hmm. they touched on in the previous episode as well. Um, so then the, the, the buildup uh to yaddle makes 10 times more sense also um so apparently yoda speaks the way he does because it's an homage to his master or something yeah, okay so you saw i was going to ask you if you saw that article so so frank uh, okay so apparently frank oz has set it up so that it's canon that yoda talks the way that he does as paying homage to his 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 master I think that's the biggest bullshit excuse I've ever heard, and I hate it. Yeah, but it's Frank Oz. He can do whatever he wants. But that's but so Dave Filoni goes up to freaking Frank Oz. He's like, how does this work? And he's just like, mm, talks like this because. He talks just, like this, I must. Uh, master. You know, just like, <laughs> no reason whatsoever. I don't know. No, I do not. <laughs> You know, it's just like, it's so silly. But, you know, hey, that's Star Wars, and I love it. It's just, it's kind of weird that we still don't have a backstory on Yoda yet. Like, can we just get the backstory so this all makes sense? And who is his master that 
talks in in riddles. Ugh. We don't have a backstory in general on their race. No, and so think about the, it. And they're not going to touch on that in this next season of Mandalorian. They better not. I swear to God, if we get a filler, if we get a side mission to go find Grogu's people, I'm going to be so pissed. No, because I feel like it would be in the known galaxy. It seems to be beyond He's the outer the chaos. Or something yeah, like, it's out yeah. in the chaos somewhere. So who who knows? I don't I don't think it's that easy of a of a storytelling mechanism. Um, last two episodes focused on Ahsoka, and they were fantastic. So good revisiting Anakin and, and Ahsoka's relationship. And that trial he put her through was brutal. Yeah, I mean, like, he's always... But he's always treated her like that. Like, he... And, and I like how he said it. He's like, I'm... My job is to keep you safe. And I'm going to keep you... I'm, I'm going to keep you safe the best way I know how. Right. To teach you how to defend yourself. Right. And I think... And, I, like, and that just... Again, it shows the relationship that Anakin has with Ahsoka. And it's right. just, like, it's even more heart-wrenching. You know, it's just like, and, and again, can we, can we just stop with animated order 66? Like, holy shit. Can we like, we know, you know exactly what happened when he, when she's cuffed and, and Cody walks her into the, into the, the, the landing area. That was the scene from Clone Wars. That was the scene. That was the last episode. That was the last yeah. season of Clone Wars when she walked right, right as the, when they crash, when Maul's going through and cutting everybody up and then they crash. That's the final episode. Yep. So, like, yeah. I, again, we just keep on getting tied into into Order sixty six. We get to see Padme's funeral. We know that Ahsoka was there. We know that Bail finds Ahsoka. I love that whole thing of like he's talking to the guards, but he's talking to her and like saying, yep. "Like you have a duty." You like, and so like that explains a lot. You know, like why she was able to like. So Bail was the connecting piece for her to come back as Fulcrum for a lot of and the the it seems the displaced Jedi in general. Bale was the connecting he, piece. Bale, Bale seems to be like so. I, I think that all stems back to how he was in Episode Three at the end when he yep. was like, "I will do whatever I can to help you," because he knew it was right. right. And so, yeah, maybe he, maybe, maybe he is Fulcrum. Maybe he's Fulcrum right now, um, and he's leading. Like, maybe he is the, the he's the one that's showing everybody the path. Maybe he's yep. the one that's you know setting up the path for everybody. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm not too sure. Other than like, I really I really enjoy them bringing Bale back because mm -hmm. it just it feels it feels really good having him there. It's 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 just one of those pieces where I and I think it's because he he comes from the 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 prequels, and so it's just one, again it's one of those like nostalgic characters you can kind of lean on. You're like, oh, it's Bale, nice. So I I really enjoy having him in animated, and I really really like having him in live action because he just he really helps push the story along um the last episode the yeah. inquisitor at the end oh. looked incredible awesome and got his ass kicked real quick real that was reminiscent of maul versus obi-wan in my opinion she didn't like i was up ready for a fight and she's like no nah, i'm done with you and just but what i liked about that is this is the inquisitors are not sith and we all have to remember that they're sith wannabes at the end of the day are am i wrong in saying that well, yeah, I mean, like a lot, a lot of them were Jedi's that got turned, you know, and they right. either like they're scared or you know for whatever reason. So, um, this is supposedly the sixth brother. That's the the running theory right now. Okay, there are a lot of similarities to the Ahsoka novel and this, but the yes. Ahsoka novel they're saying is not these are not these are two different incidents of her encountering well, inquisitors. So remember in the book. She, 
Does she pure? She already had a purified Kyber crystal. She purifies it at. She purifies the crystal at the end of the book when she kills. Right, the, but she already. But she has two lightsabers, so she needs two crystals. She needs two doesn't Kyber she crystals. Take, does she? Doesn't does she take from the Inquisitor though? How does she have two Kyber crystals from one lightsaber? Isn't he dual wielding? Am I mistaken? And then no, I think that? he has. He had the like. So the guy that she fought had the Inquisitorial lightsaber. Yeah. So I don't. I don't remember if the guy from the book was dual wielding too. I thought he had an, an Inquisitor lightsaber as well. He might have taken the Inquisitor lightsaber, cut it so in that, half, so made what it on I'm, hilts, and then right. So what I'm thinking is like that. That could have been. That could have been Kyber crystal number one. Um, okay. It, but so that that's just kind of like where my head is at. Anyways, because she had to learn how to do it, and she already knew how to do it in the sec in the book. Um, but this was, it, you're right. It was very reminiscent of book. Um, a lot of things were different. Like when like Ahsoka is on a planet that has a military base, like an Imperial military base already installed. Um, you know, the Sith comes down in a ship and he's in quiz. He's going through and like, you know, interrogating the town. So it's very similar to that, except, you know, it's, I felt like it was rushed. I wish that we had a little bit more on that because I wanted to know more about like the Inquisitor. Uh, I didn't like that. He just, I think that they killed him off really quickly for time just because these episodes are supposed to be short little little blips. So I, I thought it was cool. I mean, I would love to know about like his mask and like the armor he was wearing and like all those things. It was really, really so cool. He, here's the excerpt. For, this is from comingsoon.net. While the episode doesn't make explicit the identity of the Inquisitor's notorious member, it is known from E.K. Johnson's novel that uh, the titular, titular heroine defeats the sixth brother while hiding in Rada, which is the planet she's on in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the former Jedi was in a sticky situation since she was without the blue lightsaber she left on the burial site of Captain Rex. Following her clash in Rada, Ahsoka retrieves the kyber crystals from the sixth brother's lightsabers. Yeah. So that is this one. And right. heals them of any dark side presence until they become white. After that fight, Ahsoka jo- also joins the rebellion. So I guess the question is, is this re- retconning that book then? Because I've Wait. seen like so much conflicting information on what that episode was. Was it? Oh wait, so it, hold on. Your excerpt is saying that that was the sixth brother. If it was the sixth brother, that's wait, what was it says the, in the sixth? Book. Was the sixth brother in the book? I believe that's the one she kills at the end. That's what I'm trying to figure out now. Damn, that's interesting. If they retcon the book, I'd be kind of happy about it because I didn't like it. The book was the way considered it's... canon to the rest of the Star Wars franchise when it was originally released. Um, however, the events of Resolve in particular basically strike that from storyline canon altogether. Oh, this is okay, a that's what article, I, okay, too. Okay, interesting. So they're basically, this article, this is a different one, this comes from the direct.com, is saying that that episode is retconning the book. Good. I didn't like the, I, I didn't like the way the book ended. I thought that was really weak. Mm-hmm. So this is very interesting. So I wonder what they'll do with Ahsoka's time between ep, or, episode three and the burning of the of the temple, mm-hmm. and now we know that she she goes to this planet. She fights the sixth brother, gets his lightsabers. So we're just gonna say. So we're just gonna just say that then she's off, and then we meet her again in Rebels. That's kind of rough. I'd like a little bit more because like that was the one thing that the book did a great job. I will say the book did an amazing job of highlighting Ahsoka in the the in the same way that we find Obi Wan in the beginning mm-hmm. of his show. This very scared. Um, you know, cutting ourselves off from the force. Uh, what what's the uh, what is the, the the practice of cutting yourself off from the force for a period of time to grieve and like all those things? You oh, know uh, you know what yeah, I'm talking yeah, I know. About. They I forget what's called. They established yeah. in the book. Um, 
And so she's kind of doing that. She's cut herself off. She's grieving. She's going through all of this. And then, and then she starts to see the oppression of the empire. And then she's like, I've got to do something about it. So it's just like this whole idea of like Ahsoka trying to keep herself hidden and then coming to terms with the fact that like, I have a responsibility. I just can't let, I can't just sit on the sidelines and watch this. So like, that was what I think the, the book drove home really, really well. I don't like the way that it, they tried to tie it in with clone with the clone wars episode or season six. And that last episode, because it was very conflicting and it, that, that was frustrating for me. I wanted it to be one seamless piece to go from that episode of when you see Vader on the snow mound at the burial place, finding Ahsoka's lightsabers, you know, like that was a really, like that was a really intense moment. And then we go into the book and you know, everything kind of conflicts like that, that, that scene was told differently in the book. So those those two yeah. those two moments in time did not li- line up. So I would assume because we already have a visual representation, you're not going to let the book supersede that. So you have to kill the book because you already have all these visual things set in place. And it's like at that point, it's it's law. So you can't really mm-hmm. do anything about it. So it's easier just to cut off the book and then kind of retell it with with Tales of the Jedi. But then at that point, is Ahsoka going to get more filler in her show then? Because the book is a decent is a decent filler. It, it takes you up to the to, it takes you up close to rebels. It kind of leads it kind of leads you off on when when we meet her as Fulcrum. So, what do we do with Ahsoka? I guess the show is going to be the. I think that, I think so one. too. I think the and show I, we're going to get callbacks. I think we're going to get flashbacks. Yeah, and and it makes sense because look at what ILM has been able to do. Why wouldn't we able be able to just take it like a de-aged Rosario Dawson and just you know put her in Ahsoka clothes? You know, like it, it, it could be done. And I think we, we've already saw, we already saw Anakin and Obi-Wan. Could you imagine Kevin, if we had Hayden Christensen and Ahsoka and Rosario oh, Dawson I, standing next to each other and there was a live I, action interaction with each other. Holy shit, Kevin, that's going to be mind blowing because you know, they're going to do it. They coming. did, they did the Obi-Wan and Anakin flashback and it was good. It was well done. I had a really good argument with somebody about that. They, they came in a chat and they were like, I didn't like how how they didn't like make them look how they did in Clone Wars. And I was like, that's not the point. It was the, the whole point was, was to show this emotional battle and like, and to, and you, they're using this, that literally the battle this this practice duel to tell this entire story. And if you missed all of that and all you saw was the look of how uh, their age, you completely missed the, like what they were trying to tell you in that story. Um, yeah. So we went on about that for a little bit. And I think they, I think they're going to do it again. It was so, it was so heavy. It was so story heavy to see that, to go back to the Jedi Temple, to go back to Anakin and Obi-Wan as we saw them in like episode three. You know, like that was all very, very important. And it will be very, very important to have Ahsoka talking to Anakin. Whether And we know that Anakin, we know that Anakin in, in, in um, uh, Shadows of the Sith, we know that he in Force Ghost form is communing with other people. He communed with Luke. Very easily. So for e- so even if we don't get a flashback to get Hayden Christensen in force in Force Ghost form talking to Ahsoka would make one hundred percent chance because look at Tales of the Jedi and how their relationship is. Their relationship is so strong and it showcased so many different ways. Tales of the Jedi, Clone Wars, Rebels. Multiple times we have seen how how loving these two people are and, and their brother and sister. So I'm I'm very very excited for that. I think that's going to be, oh, man, I can't wait for Ahsoka. 
but I really hope we, I really hope we fix her backstory. Cause like we, I don't think we can just leave her I off. Will. I don't think we can leave her at the end of this tales of the Jedi and just be like, Oh yeah, pick up her story again in rebels. It's like, Oh, no. there's way this more a, to her story than that. This was a precursor. I will say in totality tales of the Jedi was definitely Dave Filoni's like passion project, love letter situation. Oh, most definitely to some stories he really wanted told because they're short, concise, straight to the point, And it's just fan service galore yeah. in a good way. Yep. Um, so I think, I think he's probably going to make more of these. We're getting vision season two next year. I think this is just going to be like Filoni's little pet project to fill in some gaps on storylines and retcon things and move things to a place. that's probably easier for him to tell other stories um with with uh tales of the jedi quick uh movie news before we chat about acolyte um jd dillard's star wars movie is canceled speaking of the rap dillard opened up about the star wars film that was reportedly in the works in 2020 with luke cage writer matt owens uh that news arrived after star wars rise of skywalker and lucasfilm's decision to have movies from the galaxy far far away go on a bit of a hiatus he admitted it was not for a lack of trying, end quote. The fact of the matter remains that getting a movie on the big screen, especially a Star Wars movie, is no easy feat. He still loves the idea of making a space movie, but now it will be an original idea instead of Star Wars. Oh, uh, great. Yeah. So another one bites the dust. But on the flip side of that, Sean Levy in talks to direct a Star Wars film after he's done with Deadpool 3 and Stranger Things finale. Um, Deadline can reveal that Sean Levy is in talks to come aboard to develop to direct a Star Wars film. We are trying to pry loose details of plot and writer, but this we can tell you. Levy will focus on this one after he completes the job directing Deadpool 3 at Marvel and Disney, uh, uh, the one that brings Ryan Reynolds back with Hugh Jackman. So that one's way far out. Like, I wouldn't wow. even, besides that's on the radar now, I yeah. wouldn't even get too excited about, you know. I could be 50 before we see that movie. So yep. we'll see what happens. We'll take the kids to go see it when they're teenagers. And they're not kids anymore. Um, We're dating. Go away. That's so sad. Uh, that That's taking that long to get Star Wars movies back out. Mm -hmm. On the positive side, Acolyte just dropped their entire cast list. They've started production. Um, moving forward, this is exciting because this will be, hear me out, this is going to be the first live-action media for Star Wars that is not in the era of the Empire and the and Star Wars uh, Skywalker saga. Yep. This is before. We're finally the first puzzle piece in not telling stories within the frame of those nine movies. This is it. It begins here. Uh, and hopefully it leads to bigger and better things. But they went balls to the wall with the cast, and I'm really excited um, Amanda, uh, Amandala, uh, Stenberg from the hate you give Emmy award winner, Lee Jung Jae from squid game who absolutely killed it in squid game. Such mm -hmm. a good show. Manny Asinto from nine perfect strangers. I've seen him in other stuff. He's great. Daphne Keene from his dark materials. I love his dark materials and she is a great actress. Uh, Jody Turner Smith from queen and slim Rebecca Henderson from inventing Anna, which was also a great show. Charlie mm -hmm. Barnett from Russian doll, Dean Charles Chapman from 1917. And the best part. Carrie Ann Moss from The Matrix is going to be an acolyte. Oh, God, so damn. Dope, dude. Trinity's going to be in, in yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I hope she's the bad guy. Dude, I mean, she she could play she could play a pretty awesome. I think she's going to end up being this. Okay, so we we have the synopsis as well. So so before we before we do any any guessing or anything like that, let's let's also read like what the what the show's going to be about. Also. Can we talk about the 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 logo? The font choice amazing. 
I love this great. style of font. It's very, very good. But look at the effect on it. Look at this lightsaber slash that went through it. Oh, mm -hmm. Kevin, it looks so good. The little particle effects that are coming off of it, the smoke that's rising. I love also this like weather degrade look that they've been using. They did it for Andor as well. And I really, really like it because it just like <clears throat> it feels right for Star Wars. There's something that there's a there's a grunge tone to Star Wars that just fits. It's you see that everywhere. Go to go to uh, go to Batu. Go to Black Spire Outpost. Walk around, and it's grungy. It's 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 degraded. It is dilapidated. It is it's just like Star Wars feels good when it's weathered. And I love this. It's such a great tone. Uh, but like the synopsis for this is fantastic. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up. Okay, so the Acolyte is a mystery th thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master, so I think that's where I think that's where Carrie Ann comes in. I think she's gonna be she's gonna end up being the the older like Jedi, or she could be a bad guy. I think she could play either role. But it, since we know that it's a a Padawan reuniting with her Master, I think it's gonna be Carrie Ann. Uh, but it says, um, Jedi Master investigate a series of crimes. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have crimes. This is gonna be like an uh, a CSI maybe. Are we going like Law and Order CSI kind of vibe? Uh, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they are had they've ever anticipated. So, and then the big rumor that's floating around that has a lot of validity to it is that this will be about um, Plagueis. Oh, oh makes so much sense so we're gonna meet Plagueis before he meets palpatine that which is which is interesting because i want to know at what point do we meet darth Plagueis the wise uh is it right after he kills his master is that book gonna be canon still are they gonna pull from it um well i mean technically it's not canon right now so are they gonna make that book canon is how i should have said it uh or are they going to kind of like pull excerpts from that book and try to make a brand new backstory for darth Plagueis? That one. That That's one, the latter? Yep. Yeah, I think so, too. They've done that with a lot of things where they kind of just pull. And I think that's why we're having such a hard time with the Old Republic as well, because I don't think they're happy with a lot of the things because of how Star Wars has progressed without the Old Republic influencing Star Wars media, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, things like, let's, let's use the, the Starforge, for example. Um, use Revan. Um, you know, like we know that Revan's alive, but you know, Revan is a very, very complex character. It's not like Darth Revan can't just be Darth Revan, right? In, in from from Star Wars: The Old Republic, because Darth Revan was, it wasn't just one person. You were Revan, right? Like the character you created was Darth Revan at the end. So how does that work? Well, there was a ca a canon version of Revan. They did establish that when at at the time. Uh, after the game came out, there was, oh, okay. was so male. You see, you meet him in the MMO. Oh, okay. well, so he's so the canon version. Just like Coder 2, the wound in the force is a female. Her name's Mitra Surik, mm -hmm. and she is the canon version of you. Both of those are obviously games where you can choose to do whatever you want, but there is a canon story that develops from both games into the MMO. Again, um, but this also, I think, kind of like solidifies the fact that the the old Republic in its current form is very messy, right? It's really, really messy and it's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's diluted a and it's just like, man, it's, there's a lot going on. It's really hard to focus on. And so, so that's why I think we're, we're going backwards 
We're going to go, we're going to continue to go backwards to flush it all out because the future has already been put into place and it's solidified so much that we can't, we can't make it work on the past. Like, so we have to, we kind of have to retrofit the past to make it work with the current, which is a little frustrating, but I mean, everything that we've seen so far, I think we really have to, as Star Wars fans in general, not just Kevin and Tim, but I think as like, as a community, we really need to be careful with how we, you know, we look at these shows because I think this is going to be the current state of Star Wars from now on is that it's going, you're going to get these names. You're going to get these characters that you know and love, but their stories are going to be completely different. And you, and again, we have to continue with, with looking at it from the sense of these are legends. These are stories of these characters that are held to the same level as Zeus or, you know, Ares or, you know, Ra or like any of these other gods in the pantheon, right? You know, it's just like there's there's all these stories, but they've all been changed, but you still know them. You still know who they are, but they, you know, it's it's a game of telephone, if you will. And it makes sense for Star Wars because these 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 things happen so many years in the past, hundreds of years in the past. And so, yeah, the stories get the story, the, these stories of legends, you know, they get what they get messed up and misinterpreted. And so it'd be really, really cool to see like how they go about fixing all of that to make it work with current. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I agree with that. I think uh, Old Republic is a hot mess. Uh, there's so many good stories there, and that's why they're doing what they're doing, which is picking and choosing what they want, and then making that the canon timeline. Um, so you might be right; it just might be prepping everything. But there's so many characters in Old Republic that people are screaming for at this mm -hmm. point: Darth yeah. Bane, Darth, uh, um, Darth Revan, obviously. Uh, what's his name? The other guy I'm thinking of, who's Malak? face is it? Malik, oh my God! Everyone Malik. loves Anything Malik, because Malik. <laughs> like, Malik is Malik is the gray Jedi version of Sith. Uh huh. He literally exists in the current game because they're still telling a story, even though it's not canon. In the current game, he keeps saying things like, "You know, this is why the Jedi and the Sith are at fault. This is what they do to you. This is how they manipulate you." Mm. He doesn't pick a side. He's in the middle. He's evil as hell, but it, he's like on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to like the the middle. Yeah. Um, so if you had someone like a great Jedi, like Jolie or these, these way seekers that we see in, uh, these, the high Republic, he would be the other side of the spectrum closer to the dark side, but he, he's at odds with both of them. Um, and, and that's what makes him fun as a villain. Cause in the game you can play empire Republic and he's the enemy, no matter what yeah. there's even, there's a whole, it's, they call them flashpoints, but it's a dungeon called the false emperor where you have to invade his ship. And he's the final boss. Cool. And the whole time he the whole time he's just parroting at you all this rhetoric. And you're sitting there fighting, you're like, Man, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of agree with you. You yeah. gotta fight him no matter what, but you can't agree with him. Um, so it's uh it's it's been it'll be interesting when the more they chase the path of neutrality, which is what they're doing. Yeah. They're gonna bring these characters in that represent that neutrality from both sides of the fence. Because Darth Bane to me is another one that that yeah. was like the Sith are just they're out of control. They need to be this whole thing needs to be tempered, changed, and fixed. Well, and that's an interesting thing about Plagueis's character, like character and like his overall mentality in the book, is like he wasn't like he wasn't super evil, you know? No, like he's not. he was kind of evil because you know he was trained as a Sith in the whole rule of two, and he understood that you know he needed to kill his master to you know to move on and, and things like that because he, he he was all about preservation that entire book is about him learning about preserving himself and 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 manipulating medichlorians and like all these things it's a really awesome book it's old but it's a really really good book 
And so I, I'm really curious, are they going to keep that for Plagueis? Like, if, if this is true, you know, we all know that Plagueis learned to become immortal and, and all these things. We know that he dies to Palpatine, but he's not, he's a, he's a, a, a immune. He's, a, he's immune uh, from the banking clan, right? Those are immunes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they're not very strong people. They're very intelligent people. And so, like, how do you make that character attractive? And so I'm really, really curious to see how they make him as, you know, a well-known dark lord. How are they going to make him interesting? And how are they going to make him attractive to people? Because he's not a Darth Maul. You know, he's not no, a, you know, he's, he's not a brute. He's not, not going to be a wielder of a lightsaber. He's not a warrior. He's a, he's a scholar. He's an academic. So it'll be very, very interesting how this all comes to fruition for Plagueis. And But it, 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 the more we talk about this, the more it feels right. It feels good knowing that we could potentially have a Plagueis in this because it just it like that's one of those lines from Star Wars, Kevin. You know that everybody everybody can quote. It's always wrong, but everybody can. I, have I ever told you the tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Like everybody everybody can call to that that scene because it's just it's so iconic. It's an iconic line in Star Wars, and so to finally have this person show up is going to be really cool. I'm excited. I, I think this will be one of the, again, we keep saying this every time a new show comes out. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I'm, you started Path of Deceit. I'm reading it. I, am I don't like not, it. I am not a fan. Not happy I with really, it. One thing happened. I know I'm farther in the book than you. That has piqued my interest, mm-hmm. but they haven't done anything with it since it happened about two chapters ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, the most interesting thing that's happened in the book, you haven't gone back to reference it again. And I'm sure they will before the end of the book. I have about two and a half hours left. Yeah. But man, what a dog of a story. I think like, it's this story, this book, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I listened to it for five minutes and I turned it off because I was just like, I think I need to be in a better mental place because I was like doing cardio and I was like, I just don't have the, I just can't. So I put it away. Yeah. The it's, thing with, it's the, not the, that good. The thing with this, yeah, like that's the problem is like this, this book, is supposed to set the foundation for for what's to come for phase two. Right. I don't like phase two. I'm gonna tell you, like, if this is the cadence or if like if this is if this is the vibe for phase two of going farther into the past of the High Republic, I don't like it. The characters are boring. Very boring. Mm-hmm. Um this cult is I I expected, and maybe that's my own problem for making expectations, but I expected so much more. They are so freaking boring. Yeah. Um, there's just nothing exciting happening. One, like I said, one thing happened that I was like, okay, this could take a turn. And it's been like two or three chapters. They have not gone back to even reference that moment. Even the action part of the book was like uh-huh. snooze fest, dude. I was just like, do you think they blew their load in the first phase? And like, that's the I problem. I do think they blew their load. I, no, here's what I think they did. I think they established all these characters that we had interest in. And they're like, okay, we're gonna take it back hundred years to like give you more backstory. And my opinion is not yet. No, Dude, we're not there yet. Like you're, you're going people, too fast on this. People like the characters they've established in the High Republic. There's a Stellan Geos replica lightsaber that I found, and I like. And for when I saw that, I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> they made a replica lightsaber on a character that we've never seen before. We've only seen concept art for, and we've heard his, like, we've we've read his story, and people are going out of their way to make make props. For these characters and like and for me that's a signal of be like hey this is shit that's working and people like it people are and cosplaying as those characters yeah because they're cool it's literally not, it's literally king arthur 
It is the yeah. King Arthur setting for for Star Wars, and it's fun. I've seen a bunch of Avar Chris cosplays from various events because that she's cool, incredible, and they call the- back to her so many different times. Whether it's talking about the Song of the Force or hearing a musical note, like all those things, that's a callback to High Republic, and I think of her every time. And I I know this is going to lead to Markeon's origin story. I know that you know we're. Here's my problem. The Jedi that they introduced in the Padawan are so boring. Mm-hmm. There's nothing exciting about them. The Pantoran kid is just like, and it's this almost teenage love story like thing going on. And I'm like, this makes no sense in the grand scheme of Star Wars. Maybe they'll tie it all together. But what a dog of a story to like have to slog through to get to a point where it's like, okay, this makes sense now. And that is my problem with some of the authors in the High Republic is some of them just like can't write the middle of a story in this. And I understand Disney's trying to pump out content, but I have a feeling we hit a plateau where they're doing it too fast. Like TikTok at this point. It's like get as yeah, much but, content as you can and see what sticks. But but if it was quality. another if phase two was more books about the folks that we met in phase one, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. No, we even wouldn't. if it was a slog. Even if it was a slog, there would still be relevant information in the slog to, to bring you know more to those characters. I'm starting over again, and yeah. that is what's frustrating me. So they, they also left us at a cliffhanger. Huge cliffhanger. The biggest fucking cliffhanger you could have. And and then they're just like, we're gonna go back 250 years. See, it's just like, why? Like you just yeah. you spent, you literally spent, was it four books building up Markion? Mm-hmm. Four books building up this bad guy in a comic comic. series and all of this shit. You work really, really hard on building up this super weapon that can that can neutralize Jedi's and all this shit. And you decide to just leave us there. Like, what the fuck? It is so frustrating. And you're right. I think what happens what what has happened is that they they knew that they needed to get as many stories out as possible to start getting other forms of media out. Right. Um. The problem is, I think it's a it's a quantity over quality issue, and they we aren't we aren't keeping the writers. I wish they just kept the writers that did really really well. Like just let that like let them write this, because you can definitely tell when it's not when it's a writer that you don't like writing a like a High Republic story. Yeah, and so like that's really frustrating. And so it's like I who who wrote this? Do you remember? I think it's Claudia Gray so frustrating because claudia gray wrote um she wrote into the dark and that was really that was really good right claudia gray wrote that she also wrote no this is tessa Gratton and justina ireland yeah they what else did they write justina wrote a few things for star wars Um, i don't i don't know why i'm not impressed so hey if you know if anyone out there that's that's reading the books as well if you're if you're reading or listening to any of the uh, to the new phase two stuff um, oh, Justina you- wrote a bunch of the old, like the younger novels, like Mission to Disaster, Out of the Shadows, and A Test of Courage, and I hated all of those. Oh, books. those are the tween books. That's why I didn't. That's I didn't like those either. So this is probably why I don't like this one, because it op- like the, just the opening part of the book. I was like, ah, I don't care, and that sucked. Like that was like it was really jarring for me. Where I was like, did I just turn off a Star Wars story? And it just like I just didn't care. And like that's frustrating for me because again, I I want to know what happened to to Markion. We leave him, we leave him on the ship of of the the Gaze Electric with nothing but robots. 
Yeah, Tessa has. I don't think she's written anything else. Star Wars. All the rest of her credits are like high fantasy stuff. So this would be her first. Yeah. So I would say a, a tone setter. Uh, it probably wasn't the best one. Uh, yeah. And so now I'm kind of like I'm a little jaded towards uh, Phase Two. So I really hope that the you know some other bangers come out and they kind of sway me in the direction because I I kind of felt like this in Light of the Jedi when we were, I was kind of like I don't know and then the farther we went I was like this is pretty sick so hopefully we get that again where it's just like okay this is kind of rough wow this got really good well I mean who knows I'm going to see it through to the end and then start one of the other ones because I don't think there's another High Republic novel coming out for a while uh, so I'll probably do Brotherhood next or something like that um, anyway that is it for this episode of Star Wars and Scotch. Tim and I are going to get out of here. Uh, by the time you hear this, Tim will have already played one stream of God of War. So yeah. you need to catch up on that one and then tune in tomorrow when he plays more God of War at FB. FB God damn it, I can never say that link. FB.GG slash Darkness429. Darkness429 everywhere else on the interwebs. Uh, make sure you go and follow. I'm Kevin, Kevin X Vision on Twitter, KMagic101 on Instagram. And everything I do is that the newly redesigned raredrop.co website gives a list of all of our services and all the fun things we do and the content we create. So make sure you head over there and check that out. Again, King's Coast Coffee, like, don't blame me if you don't get cocoa. That's just, I'm just warning you now. So that's the end of it. Uh, we will be back next week for the second to last episode of Andor. Uh, we have uh, some uh, nice, fun stuff planned for uh, the end of Andor as well. And then, um, yeah, we have anything else to promote too? Um, Holiday no. D&D special. Uh, we'll give you dates and details on that, but uh, uh, we will be fighting we're, we're the final Karen boss in, uh, in the Holiday D&D special. That'll be good. I'm excited yes. for that. She's going to ask to speak to our manager as we're uh, in rage. Um, so uh, you all have a great week and we will see you uh, uh, next week for more Star Wars and Scotch I and hope as always so. uh, what do you know something I don't know oh, I don't know you just like the way you say it I was like oh, I hope we see you next no you we will see you next week and as always look up Death Star in the sky Tim you knew all along may the force be with you always as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.